Welcome to Movie Maniacs. Mike Rags and Chuck Curry discussing the greatest movies of all time and all the new films in theaters and streaming that you need to know about. Like us, rate us, share us. Now, here are your hosts, Mike Rags and Chuck Curry. All right, we are here with another edition of Movie Maniacs. Mike Rags and Chuck Curry talking about the great world of movies. Hope you guys had a great week. We've got a lot to discuss, including when animals attack. We've done a show similar to this about fish and sea monsters, but now how about on land? We'll do that in honor of the movie Beastkin released this weekend with Idris Elba, and we'll talk about some movie news and a whole heck of a lot more. Let's bring him in right now, Chuck Curry. Chuck, did you have a good week? Going good. Sky's blue, sun's out. Can't complain. Let's you know, talk movies. Un- <laughs> Unfortunately, Chuck, we've started quite a number of shows recently about the passing of some stars. We couldn't get through a week without someone else um, uh, passing away, and that's the great director, Wolfgang Peterson, um, who hadn't done a movie since Poseidon um, in 2006, but again... He was 81 years old, and he was one of the more... I would say he's probably one of the more underrated directors of all time, Chuck. Um, Didn't do a lot, but when he did, they were all usually pretty good and very entertaining. Yeah, that's the thing. You know, it's interesting. What he did was good. I mean, if you look at the bio of of work, can I go over it or do you want to go over the list? No, well, you know, I was just going to go through it, and, you know, you got Das Boot really is where it all started. Back in the early 80s, he did the never ending story as well, which is a bit of a cult classic as as well. And then Enemy Mine with Mm -hmm. Dennis Quaid and Lou Gossett Jr. Uh, The one first time I noticed him as a director is a little scene movie called Shattered, which I thought was pretty good with Tom Berenger and really a great performance of Bob Hoskins in that movie. about a guy who gets a facial reconstruction It's a bit of a murder mystery, erotic thriller. And that's that's the first movie I remember seeing. Wolfgang directed by Wolfgang Peterson, which is a pretty slick movie. I would agree. I mean, at, at this point, his career that that's a, that's solid already. Yeah, but but it then, gets better and, better. and then in the next seven in the next seven years, in the line of fire, outbreak, Air Force One, the perfect storm. Chuck, all four of those movies are near or are four star movies and big hits for Studio uh, Hollywood. I mean, in the in the line of fire. I remember sin- sitting in the theater watching that movie. I didn't know what to expect. I mean, I was a big Clint Eastwood fan. But I got to tell you, I was blown away how good that movie was. Scripting, acting, direction. I, I thought it was a 10 out of 10, four stars out of four stars. I mean, that was an excellent mainstream movie. Just excellent. And it yeah. made a lot of money. It's a perfect movie and it might be Eastwood's best and I think it might be Wolfgang Peterson's best as a matter of fact. And then to get uh, an action star like Dustin Hoffman um, to do Outbreak was a coup. Uh, but, you know, it's silly at times, but that movie moves pretty well. And the, the leads are good. Um, Rene Russo, Cuba Gooding Jr. And, and Donald Sutherland's a fun villain. That movie's a decent movie. And considering what our country's just gone through, it's a good watch right now. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, post right after COVID, you know, people, I think it was on Netflix. That was like the number one movie on Netflix for like weeks. I mean, people just like were seeking out those contagion was another one. But uh, yeah, I mean, Outbreak was a big hit. Uh, Obviously, very interesting subject matter. Different role for Dustin Hoffman pairing him up with Rene Russo. It was, was, you know, solid watch. Be interesting to see what Air Force One would have been like if you didn't have Harrison Ford and and Gary Oldman in in the in the two roles. But it is still well directed and, and well over two hours. It moves pretty briskly. So I think one of the things that helped 
Peterson is he worked with good scripts. I mean, you know, it, it, it's not easy to do a movie that takes place in the confines of an airplane, even though it is Air Force One and it's, you know, it's sizable. But, you know, casting Harrison Ford, who is perfect in that role, I mean, he's perfect in almost everything that he that he's done. And, you know, talking about his star, the magnitude of his star power in a movie like that. And again, that movie radiated big time with the masses. It was a big mainstream blockbuster hit very solid movie coined the phrase get off my plane which is pretty awesome gary Ullman was an awesome villain and it was r-rated material i mean it was not uh even though if you put it on uh a tv you know when the general public got a chance you know you probably wouldn't realize it was r probably some of the language but it's a very very good effective movie yeah and um also followed that up with a very very good effective movie in the perfect storm a great casting Great action sequences and a great score by James Horner. I mean, the the score score elevates that movie tremendously. But you know, George Clooney, we talked about him many a time on the show. I I love his work on ER, and he's he's been very diverse in his big screen roles. I, you know, some of the stuff he's done career wise, I say to myself, I wish he would have had a little bit of a different career path, doing more sort of you know, mainstream, uh, accessible material. He went with a lot of quirky stuff too. But Perfect Storm is, I, I think, for me. Uh, it's my favorite of all the George Clooney films because it has you know, mainstream accessibility. It's a big genre movie. It's well done. Very emotionally powerful very, in the very last uh, 15 minutes. And it has uh, a great great score. And Clooney's awesome in that movie. Well, not only that, but Diane Lane's really, really Very cool. good. Really very, good. very Oscar-worthy, actually. Yeah, very much so. And, uh, you know, he would do two more films after that. We talked a little bit about it last week because of Brad Pitt. But Troy came out in 2004. I liked it. And and then, of course, Poseidon in 2006, a big misfire, but um, m- probably not all his fault. Looks like the, you know, the studio probably got involved a little too much here, Chuck. And we've talked about it a lot. Uh, yeah, it's a missed opportunity more than anything else. Here's the weird. OK, let me just uh, let's just hunker down on this for a minute. Here's what's interesting here. We just went over his bio work, which by all accounts, any studio in Hollywood would want to work with this guy. I mean, he's he's quality filmmaker. Tremendous action director can really direct action very well. His movies were hits. They all made money. And then for whatever reason, when Poseidon clunked and it was a hundred, you know, the budget on that price tag, even in 2005 or six, when was it? Six, right? Six, it was like $150 million. I remember watching a Super Bowl trailer, which cost $5 million. Movie does 60, has a horrible opening weekend. Reviews are pretty tepid. Uh, so it, it clunks. It does sixty million domestically. It loses the studio by all accounts between seventy-five and hundred million dollars, and then the guy doesn't work again. It's perple- that part, and I, I, I've said I beat this drum way before Wolfgang passed. Uh, I always found this story perplexing, and I, I really would like to know, like, what exactly happened here? Yeah. Like, why, why didn't he work? He was only sixty-five. He, it wasn't like he yeah, was. Yeah, uh, it, uh, it really doesn't ancient. make sense. Yeah. I the only one only one caveat. And, you know, we're both huge, huge fans of the Poseidon Adventure. I remember when this movie came out, and we sort of he took shots at the 72 classic and said he almost like acted like it was fluff and disposable and that he was going to make something superior. And he didn't because yeah. the script, the script was so pedestrian and the, the actors were good. I mean, it wasn't Josh Lucas or Kurt Russell's. I mean, yeah, I mean, Kevin Dillon, that's a ridiculous character, but they do that with disaster movies. But the thing that's interesting is you can't strip that story of its religious symbolism and think you're going to have the 
same movie. Yeah. He tried to just make a 90 minute yeah. pure action movie and, you know, has good action, but just the characters are just not like the original. No. And um, I, that's the one thing that that was obvious to me after I saw it. I'm like, boy, this yeah. I mean, these set pieces, boom, 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 boom. Right. And, I mean, and, and individually, definitely some of them yeah, are fantastic. The but the problem is just too, there are too many without characterization, breathing space. Yeah. And then when you just boom, 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 it becomes almost exhausting. And, and yeah. that film is an exhausting movie, although it does have uh, I mean, if you watch it as a 90 minute time killer sure. on repeat viewing, once you make up your own backstory. But um, I will tell you this, and I've said this to you before. The, yeah. the, the tone of that movie when Josh Lucas kills the one character is that that just shake him off. They shake him yeah. off. But you know what? Here's what's funny. Funny about that is that when he does the headfirst dive into the fiery, oily water, he almost comes out comes out of the water baptized as a completely different character. Yeah, it, it's like they're mixing. Like they're like they're trying to do things with his character. Like sort of like a like mysterious, I mean, mysterious loner, almost like a, a little bit of a villain. And then he comes out of the water, and he's and he's the hero of the piece. It's just it's sort of strange. Well, uh, he will be missed. Although we've missed him for quite some time because he hadn't done yeah. a movie in, in in a while. Chuck, um, body work. Let Let's talk some movie news. And one yeah. thing I I want to turn into is because I got a chance to see it. Um, looks like there might be a sequel to Black Phone too. And I was really impressed by this movie, Chuck. I mean, Ethan Hawke gives a really slam bang, good villain uh, a performance. But a lot of the kids in this movie, real strong performances. It's creepy. It's scary at times. I wish it would have dealt with the paranormal and why uh, the, the paranormal happens in this movie a little bit more. Kept me kept me wanting a little bit more out of the backstory of it. But for an abduction horror uh, kidnap movie really held my attention and it's pretty darn creepy. And Scott Derrickson, the director, he did a wonderful job with this film sets it in uh, North Denver in the seventies. And you really get, it's a really good capture. Uh, uh, time it's been very successful, very time successful. Capsule. So you might see a black phone too. I'd like you to go. It's on Peacock. Now people, if you want to yeah. take a look, that's where I watched it. And it's a real good watch with all the lights off and on your big screen. So I did want to give it a good recommendation. And speaking of Peacock, September second, mm-hmm. Chuck. How do you feel about three o'clock in the morning waking up and watching Jurassic World Dominion? It's going to be on Peacock, huh? Yeah, Peacock is releasing it September second, Friday, in the middle wow. of the night. Okay, you know I've I've heard uh, I've heard if you if you if you do an analysis and you sort of dissect some of the interviews that Dallas Bryce Howard has done about sort of you know she gave an interview and she talked about uh, especially in the first Jurassic World movie the disparity between her check. And, and Chris Pratt, yeah. I think they gave him ten million. She got eight. It's hard to cry uh, f- for me to cry over somebody getting eight million dollars, but it is what it is. Having well, said it, that, y- in her defense, it's not I like know, Chris yeah. Pratt is this major movie star when he does yeah. that film. You know, uh, I understand, but that, it almost feels like something that I don't think she should really discuss in public. Well, that, she, not when you're making that kind hmm, of money, but that's just maybe, my opinion. Maybe, yeah. but he did go to bat for her too. Yeah, so. and which is good, and he yeah. should. I mean, look, I'm not saying she doesn't deserve equal pay. She does. But it's not my business. Here's another thing. In, in her interviews, you can dissect the reality of there's no doubt that Universal is going to make more Jurassic World or Park, whatever you want to call it, dinosaur right. movies, because each one, just even despite the fact that this one is a mixed bag, both critically and uh, among most of the fan base, some people really dig it. Some you did. I, I think it's a mediocre product that's a misfire of a script. 
there are elements that I liked about it. But here's the thing. It did do about a billion dollars worldwide. A billion. So, yeah. yeah. So it was very successful. Now, here's the thing. If I'm universal, there's no doubt as a business person, I say, yeah, let's do more. No doubt. Having said that, what else can you really – I mean, really, what can you do? I mean, I don't want to see dinosaurs in the military. I don't want to see dino- – I, I mean, stuff – I don't want to see that stuff. Yeah, I, I, I just – I want to see something – the best two Jurassic Park movies are the original 93 and the first Chris Pratt, Dallas Bryce out Jurassic world, because they're covering the, the um, originality of the concept, right? right. The, or right. the theme park. Yep. Yep. There is not much of, of a story left to tell in my opinion. So unless you come up with something like, wow, I didn't expect that and see that coming. I, I don't know what you can really do with it. Yeah, you're, you're right. Uh, you, but they're going to, yeah, they will. Um, oh, yeah. Chuck, one other thing I saw was the uh, yeah. Top Gun passing the Avengers Affinity War, sixth yeah. highest grossing film of all time now at the domestic box office. It's at six, almost six eighty million now. Um, next up is Black Panther, which will be the fifth spot. I got to tell you, it is amazing because the legs on this thing are incredible. Yeah, I mean, still- last week it still made seven million dollars. It was up two percent. We rebooked it here at the theater. I'm, I'm uh, involved in Pocono Cinema in East Strasburg. Before I went on the air with you, I actually went downstairs, looked inside the theater. It was like 25 people watching. Wow. Yeah. That's pretty good. Yeah, it is. It's still in our theater, too. Uh, yeah. Now, I really hope, and I know uh, it'll be futile, Paramount just um, backs off, and we don't need a sequel, Chuck. No, we don't, but I think we'll get one yeah. somehow, some way. It's Could just too it? Would they do a sequel without Tom Cruise? No. You don't think so? No, because I think he'd want the paycheck. Okay. Um, so I, I, I would, but the question is, you know, you're talking how you to, to do these type of projects. I mean, the extensive aerial stuff, the real footage, you know, you're talking probably three years away. Right. So, um, we'll and, and last but not least for me, Robert De Niro yeah. are going to do another mob movie called wise guys with, uh, Barry Levinson directing, which is kind of cool. It'll take place in the, uh, mid 1900s and he's running obviously, uh, he he's a mob boss. So uh, Vito Genovese and Frank okay. Costello are the two mob bosses going head to head. It's good to have Barry Levinson working and doing yeah. doing some stuff. He's done some great TV stuff recently. Um, mm-hmm. De Niro, I mean, he could pretty much probably play this part in his sleep. Um, what is he? He's seventy nine now, yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's hard to believe he's younger than Harrison Ford, but. He, he's younger than Harrison Ford. He is. Yeah. You got anything else on your list of movie news? I, I, I do. Uh, this week, you know, we keep talking about what's going on in the DC universe over at Warner Brothers and all the shakeup and the Batgirl cancellation and right. talking about what they're going to do with the Flash. Well, Ezra, Ezra Miller uh, evidently gave an, a, an apology. Uh, was released and printed in, in Variety. Says that he understands he has complex mental issues. Yeah. I'm paraphrasing here, and that he wants to uh, uh, straighten straighten his life out and uh, become more positive, productive. I listen. Obviously, Warner Brothers needed that statement. Uh, I think it at least stabilizes the situation. For now, they will will release the Flash in March. Here's the, the, the very interesting caveat: there's a lot of lot of lot of buzz coming out. A lot of stories starting to come out of how many eggs that uh, Warner Brothers actually has in the Black Adam basket. Right. Meaning, uh, I just watched another trailer. He recut another trailer of Black Adam. I must admit, it does look better than the first trailer. Having said that, when I watch it, 
I'm not jumping up and down going, this is overly compelling. Now, evidently, the character started in the comics in 1945. Dwayne Johnson says he's wanted to play this character for the last 15 <clears throat> years. Um, is it bad that I never budget, is it is it bad that I never even heard of this? I never character? did either. Now, here's the thing. The production budget is supposedly around 200 million. Now, Jeez. what they want to do, this is, according to different reports, is that if this movie hits at the box office, they want to take that character, which is sort of an anti-hero, and then spin him off into a pure villain, and then make him the major villain, a la, sort of like a la Thanos right. for the DC universe. Now, listen, I understand Dwayne Johnson's an appealing dude, and he's uh, he's you know a pop culture um, fixture, but I don't know. Like that seems like that seems like a massive gamble if they're putting all their eggs in that basket. No. Yeah, I just, uh, I don't know. And then to have him be the villain and that big of a, uh, it's going to make money though. I wouldn't see why it wouldn't, um, unless it's bad. Yeah. Uh, have you yeah. watched, have you, have you watched She-Hulk yet, which debuted on Disney plus? No, I did. Did you? Nah. Although Mark, I Ruffalo mean, I'm going to start it. watching it this week. It's getting, uh, it's getting either people really dig it or people like, oh, like, well, I think the tone- I think I think they're watering the product down, Marvel, yeah. in it, by doing all this Disney Plus stuff. But they're yeah. going to keep doing it. I would agree. I would agree. Uh, and it does appear it does appear much to my a little bit of a disappointment. I'm happy on one end. It appears they want to get they're definitely getting back into the uh, the Ben Affleck uh, bed of wanting to cool. do business with Ben Affleck, and he's going to be look appears he's going to do a lot of Batman. Going forward, I hope they don't completely phase out what Michael Keaton did in, in the Flash. Uh, Affleck's, I guess, going in to do some shoot reshoots for his character more in that uh, in, in that film, and and also you know another story that the Batman, Robert Pattinson, uh, Matt Reeves, the part two officially officially has not been greenlit. I guess he's still working on the script. Maybe the studio wants to see the script before they greenlight it. But it makes you wonder if they're going to go back into the Ben Affleck uh, uh, realm. And they obviously they want to bring back uh, they want Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman and, and, and these characters back from the Snyder universe, which is yeah. sort of head scratching. But um, where does Patton's Patton's Batman fit into all this? Do they want to do two separate universes? I don't know. We'll yeah. see. We'll see. We'll definitely see. By the way, um, the wormhole of uh Siskel and Ebert on YouTube. I, I, I really warn people don't watch an old at the movies on YouTube because what will end up happening is for the next two and a half, three hours, you end up watching about seven or eight episodes, 10 episodes of these two guys. And Chuck, I only bring it up because, you know, recently ET was in IMAX last week and mm-hmm. they're also releasing jaws on IMAX in a couple of weeks and actually going to re-release rogue one on IMAX with the release of Andor, um, Mm -hmm. the the series on Disney plus, which I love rogue one. I might actually go see that on IMAX, but it was interesting to watch the 1982 original episode of Siskel and Ebert reviewing ET um, and what they said about it and how they nailed it, um, calling it, uh, you know, heartwarming one for the ages on and on and on. Ebert actually said at one point, when I sat down and watched that movie at the end of it, I got the feeling that this is what it felt like to see Wizard of Oz in the movies. That's really the first cool. Time. You know, it's interesting because I a thing popped up on my Facebook page 
about uh, Richard Attenborough when Gandhi won the Oscar for Best Picture OVT. He wanted E.T. to win. He said he wanted E.T. to win because he thought it was a very special movie that would last the test of time. And obviously that is true. But I have watched many of Siskel and Ebert episodes on YouTube. And it is fascinating, especially when they get something wrong. Like I remember Ebert uh, watching one of the YouTube uh, uh, repeats where he he gave a thumbs down to Die Hard in in 88. And that is head scratching. But you know, and they gave both gave big thumbs up to speed too. Nobody's nobody's perfect, and again, it's subjective. He has a right, there is opinion. But they, that the, those were I used to. I can't tell you how much I used to look forward to watching that was syndicated. I think it was on Saturday nights on WPIX Channel Eleven, like at seven thirty. Well, it was sneak previews, and then it was I at the movies. It. Yeah, I remember. Well, I remember discovering sneak previews on PBS Channel Thirteen, uh, way way back, and then they they syndicated himself and. Uh, there was no two like them. I mean, you know, uh, nope. you know, people try to uh, copy the idea, like Michael Medford and Rex Reed, and yeah, you know, Richard Roper actually did. I thought a really good I thought job. Roper did a real good job. Yeah, he did Siskel a really good job away, yeah. with Siskel when 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 uh, Ebert got got. I mean, with Siskel, Siskel passed away. Sick, yeah, uh, but then you know, obviously when Ebert um, had the, the jaw cancer, it was horrible. Um, but yeah. two very very um, in the realms of pop culture, they had a nice space, no doubt. Um, and yeah, there's no doubt about it. Uh, and, and, uh, a good watch if you just want to go back and it's interesting watching so, sneak previews where there wasn't thumbs up. up, thumbs down yet. It was yes or yeah. no. They didn't yeah. get that hook yet until later on. And they uh, copyrighted that thumbs up, thumbs down. They sure did. Um, all right, Chuck, before we move on a uh, fast five and going back in time this week in movies, how's the beast going to do? What's the word? What's the projecting of the new movie with Idris Elba? Uh, it's tracking it around, uh, $10 million opening weekend on about 3,700 screens, which is, you know, that's, no, that's it's not good. It's, it's, it's not awful. It's not good. Yeah. yeah, pretty pedestrian. All right, Chuck, uh, let's go back in time now. You pick the year. We're going to go back to August the 20th of that year and see what was coming out in theaters. 2009. Well, we had Inglorious Bastards come out in 2009. Seems like we just talked about that, right? With uh, Brad Pitt from last year or from yeah. last episode. Um, also post grad with Alexis Bedell. Uh, I don't remember that one. That was the, she's the star of the Gilmore girls had her own movie world's greatest dad with Robin Williams, which was a tank. Yeah. Um, interesting though. A couple of good movies came out the very next week. And one of them was, uh, the final destination. Um, and, uh, Halloween Third two, one? uh, Halloween two, the, uh, okay, let's, let's, Rob zombie movie. Final Destination, I liked a lot. Halloween 2, I, I honestly absolutely despise because I've never seen a director or writer like Rob Zombie so despicable toward women like he was in that film. That, yeah. that movie, I needed a shower when I watched that one. Yeah, it's a disgusting movie. There's no doubt about it. Um, That was Final Destination. That's the fourth one. I like that too. I like all. I, I just, the, that concept was really well. That's a good horror franchise. Really good. Um, Yeah, it's good. It's a little repetitive for me, but it's yeah, good. It um, fun. And, and a good movie, too, if you're uh, uh, a fan of sports talk radio. I don't know if you ever saw a big fan, Chuck, with Patton Oswalt. I did uh, not. I know. I know people like it, though. Yeah, that came out that weekend, too. Small film, but a really interesting yeah. one about an obsessed radio fan caller, mm-hmm. uh, sports caller, which is uh, quite interesting, Chuck. No doubt about it. Um, all right. Let's do some fast five here, Chuck. I'll give you five. We're going to do all actors. This this go. Actually, we have one actress, um, but let's start with an easy one. Or maybe it's difficult because of his career has been so big. And I think we might have done a 
Robert Redford episode at some point down the line. But I say, Robert Redford, you think. Uh, the sting, the sting, really? Interesting. Yeah, I think I think the sting. But I, honestly, I'm, I'm a huge fan of The Last Castle because I, I, I got to tell you, I, there's something to me very special about a big star that's a really good actor yeah. that does a project when he's getting up there a little, but still physically very viable. And, and the last castle, the last castle was that vehicle for Robert Redford. He, he had awesome star power. Yeah. He commanded the screen. It was a really good character. Uh, and physically this, like the sequence when he takes his shirt off and he's lifting those rocks. Yeah. It's pretty impressive. I love yeah. that stuff. Um, I think of Roy Hobbs, maybe I just something about the, the magic of that movie that I really yeah, love. Yeah, I, I don't, I can't deny. I, I, yeah, I, yeah, I would go there too. Uh, that's Sunday a very kid. Film. means and, and, and Bob yeah, Woodward. That, yeah. This just, this, this, he, he guy was, uh, iconic. Iconic. Yeah. I was iconic. How about Christian Slater, Chuck, who this weekend turns 53 years old. He had a real good run for a little while there. And then he kind of went off the rails. Heathers. Heathers. Yeah. Heathers. For I, sure, love, right? I love me. I love that film. And I, you know, I was reading an interview that he gave and he, and he did say, cause I always wondered like when I, I remember watching that for the first time, I didn't really know who he was. Supposedly, mm-hmm. so, he, he breed it. He Brad Pitt auditioned for that role. Didn't get it. They said he was too nice. So, uh, they, they went with, uh, Christian Slater. And when I watched that, I always said to myself, is this guy's basically doing a Jack Nicholson yeah. person. And he admitted that he did. And he sent Nicholson a letter asking if he liked it. Nicholson never responded to him, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, that is a terrific movie with a really dark script, but the last um, 10 minutes of that movie, when he straps himself up yeah, it's great and stuff. with that, oh, that's pretty awesome stuff. It's also, he's also real good in pump up the volume. It came out. Yeah. Right after I that like too. that movie a lot too. Samantha and, Mathis and him and, really good. I, I enjoy that movie tremendously. Yeah. And, and, and also if you go, and, if you, go you know, and, and also a true romance and, and he did a movie called hard rain, yep. which uh, was really one of his last fortes is a star of a studio feature because the movie didn't do well. And that sort of derailed his career, you know, as a, a guy that they would put above, uh, a title in a, in a studio film, but um, I enjoy that movie. One of the best actors we got pound for pound right now, Chuck is Andrew Garfield. Who's uh 39 years old, although he doesn't look 39 at all. Um, that guy's Mel already been nominated movie. for two Oscars. Hey, hey, um, Mel Gibson movie. Hands Mark, down. Hacksaw Ridge. I love that movie. To um, me, that movie was should have won the Oscar for best picture. I like that movie that much. Well, I think he's and great. He's, terrific in it. he's great. He's good. In the social good network actor too. You know, it's interesting because I think I think this this last Spider-Man multiverse movie, No Way Home, I, I think that really like backtracked him into the respectability with fans. And I think they'll look at those Spider-Man, those two Spider-Man movies differently. differently. I think he, he, listen, he, I want my daughter put one on on. Um, they're on Netflix, I believe now. Yeah, they are. So she put one on. She put the first one on and I'm watching it on my TV, 65 inch 4K, which you know about. And um, I'm watching it and I'm saying to myself, you know, it's a pretty good movie, except the universe is too dark for Spider-Man, in my opinion. It's just wow. too, it, it's like, it feels like I'm watching Batman, Spider-Man in Gotham City. I, if do, they would I, do think, movie, I do think he came out the biggest winner out but of he the is good. last one. He's good at it. Yeah. yeah. I think he came out the biggest winner of all the Spider-Man. I do. That last I one. agree. 
I agree with you. And by the way, most people have at least the same size TV you're talking about, maybe bigger and 4K. Not, so when you say that, I, you're not impressing anybody. But not most people have those. And, you know, before I just want to point out to the audience so they know, before I went on the air with you, uh, I had Beyond the Poseidon Adventure in my ice cream parlor on that TV. And I would tell you, my in all severity, seriousness, at least 30 people were glued to the TV watching. I'm very proud of that. Chuck, a Amy Adams is 30. Uh, I'm sorry, 48 years old. She's been nominated for six Oscars. Mm -hmm. She was Lois Lane, of course, yeah. in the DC world. Amy Adams, what's the one that pops out? I don't know. You tell me. Oh, I do like her. Uh, Enchanted, I think, is the first movie that I think of when I think of her. Mm -hmm. She's fantastic. And I loved Arrival. I know that. Uh, yeah, I know not people me. That were, I mean, I, I, I know got it. all the critical nods. I, I, she's good in it. I just, I to me, is too drawn out, complicated. So but you've got I'm nothing. Just, American Hustle, uh, uh, The Fighter, nothing from Amy Adams. I just like her body of work. Nothing pops into my head okay. as a that one. That one. All right, and uh, last but not least, Ed Norton, who really is another talk about I another love. interesting career. Um, Great he, he actor. Is interesting because he's actually pretty young still. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He, but he's it, been, feels, it, feel, it feels like um, he's 50. It feels like a, an old relative. It feels like an old relative that comes and goes every six years. Well, he's 53 years old. What do yeah. you think of when you think of Ed Norton? Fight Club. Not not Hulk, huh? <laughs> no. Uh, I also thought uh, he was very good in Primal Fear. I mean, that when he popped he's out. He's really screen, good in that. Here's the thing yeah. about Ed Norton. The one thing that pops in my head when I hear Ed Norton is the guy who's an actor who tries to take control of the editing room when he makes a movie. Yeah. yeah. That's his rap. Yeah. That's his rap. You know? he, he's also a real good in the villain in the Italian job, too, which. Uh, and he, he he's also. Oh, OK. He's also really good. In 25th, the 25th hour. 25th the, the, hour like, yeah. Very good movie. Yeah. Very good movie. He's wow. really good in that movie. And and I, you know, um, and Michael Mann's Red Dragon, too. I mean, he. Very it, good. Uh, uh, what's his bro? Brian Singer did that, right? Uh, the basically the remake to. No, no, the, it was. Um, uh, Brett Ratner. Brett Ratner. I always Brett get those Ratner, guys. You know, who, who gets the rap of being a pedestrian director. That movie's perfectly fine. Yeah. He's good in it. He's good to lead in it, too. Yeah. Uh, no doubt about it. All right, Chuck, since the Beast comes out with uh, what looks like killer lions with uh, attacking a family, thought it'd be fun to go back in time and look at all the other animals that attack people in films. Now, if you want to go back to our archives, we've done a really pretty good show about underwater uh, beasts like Jaws, and we did a great episode there. So go back and check that one out about coming up from the depths. But Chuck, here's how it's going to work. I'm going to give you, the, uh, we're going to do insects too. So we'll do mammals and insects and all Thank sorts God. of fun stuff. Okay. Um, so I'm going to give you the insect or mammal and you tell me a movie that pops to mind. And then I'll give you the other movies around that. All right. So let's start with an easy one. Arachnids. What spider movie or, you know, or tick movie comes to mind. Arachnophobia. Yeah, Arachnophobia came out in 1990 with Spiders. But I got to tell you, 1977's King and the Spiders. Good movie. Very effective movie. I agree. What a fantastic ending, too. And let's not forget the fun that Eight-Legged eight -legged Freaks is as well in 2002. It's fun. But I, and I tell you, I've watched that movie um, a few times in the last couple of years. It, it, the, the one issue I have with the movie, and I love, I, I like Carrie Wurr a lot. 
I just like it. Yeah. And uh, that's the first time I saw Scarlett Johansson, actually, in yeah, a movie. she's very young in that, yep. Mm-hmm. But it does have serious pacing issues, that movie. Uh, I, I think it's fun. It, it, it's it's not meant it to be anything more than what it is. I, I do agree. And 1993. Spider movies are always fun. There's a straight-to-video movie called Ticks from 1993 that I didn't see, but Peter, Scol- Peter Scolari and Seth Green are really? in it as well. Yeah, I, I don't know that movie. Also, you, know, you get a lot of these like sci-fi network movies, too, that we really don't want to get too much into. But there is a movie about a giant lava-breathing tarantula called Lava Lantula. I love it. The Lava Lantula. I love it. <laughs> All right, Chuck, here's another easy one. How about birds? Oh, Alfred Hitchcock's The Birds. We talked about this being my favorite Hitchcock uh film you know what i like about that movie you never really understand why they attack no they don't bother to do that yep it's not even it's right and i think that's what makes it um unique and obviously the gas station sequence is a classic classic sequence and uh and rod taylor was a very interesting leading man i liked him in that movie a lot actually absolutely he's fantastic in that movie too he'd be on uh uh, Twilight Zone a few times too, and a couple of good ones. And a movie in 1987, I don't remember, called Beaks, the movie. Chuck, I only bring it up because one of your favorite actors is in it, Christopher Atkins, and Michelle Johnson is a co-star in this movie. Never wow. heard of this one, Chuck. Are you trying to like pigeon? Are you serious, Chris? No, I know like Christopher Atkins back in the day, but um, I wouldn't call him one of my favorite actors. I've never watched, I've never seen, I've never heard of it. They got to be honest with you. I, now, you I better ne- mention there's a movie from. The seventies. That's one of my all-time favorite animals attack with multiple animals that I hope is on your list. Oh, it's on the list. Um, We'll get there in a second. Let's go to ants now, Chuck. Is there an Uh, ants movie that comes to mind when I say ants? There's a Charlton Heston movie with ants, right? What was that called? There's a Charlton Heston movie with ants. I don't know that one. No. Yes. Yes. Well, there's oh Look yeah, they out. are the Naked Jungle is an ant movie. Yeah, yeah that's right. One of the, the, the some of the uh, I mean, obviously that's all practical, but it were pretty good. I mean, I think did Joan Collins do an ant movie? It happened at Lakewood Manor. Starred um, uh, Suzanne Summers. It was also called yeah, yeah, Ants yeah. on TV. I, I like that one. Yeah, what's his name's in that? Uh, uh, Rob Robert Foxworth is the lead in that. That's a fun movie. Linda Day George, Brian Danny, very early in his career. I love that movie. Nineteen seventy seven. That was um, mm-hmm. same year. Didn't in theaters. So that's a TV movie. Empire of the Ants comes out that yeah. year. Large mutated ants. Phase four from nineteen seventy four. And you had them, which is probably the most popular ant movie, the yeah. Giant Ants, in nineteen fifty four. But you know what's interesting? Like th- these titles you're rattling off, eh, they would. I mean, th- back in the day, they were fun. Be- they were fun. People enjoyed this stuff. You didn't have to have massive budgets to have a good time. Right. Th- this stuff mostly low budget. Yeah. It, it would never be made now. It would never be released in theaters now. We know that. Yeah, no doubt about it. All right, here's one that should be fun for you, Chuck. How about honeybees? I don't remember it. No, I- I'm asking you. B movies, uh, honeybees. Oh, I, okay, I was like, I was, I was so excited about what we we're talking about. I sort of, my mind went a little numb there. So you how had about, deadly bees about, in 1966, about, killer bees in 1974. How about the swarm? The savage bees in 1976, and then 1978's the swarm. Um, up until that point, I don't know how many slow motion 
B movies we had, but the swarm really provided it. Talk about the swarm. Do you remember seeing it in the theater? I don't know if I saw it in the theaters, Chuck. Okay, and th- let me let me give you let me reminisce here. You know I love Erwin Allen's work early. I love the my favorite film, Towering Inferno, one of my all-time favorite movies. High Hopes, 1978, me and a couple buddies, we go into the Avalon movie theater in Brooklyn. There's a big standee. Big that's when they had yeah, the big great, standees. It's a great in the lobby. poster. It's a great poster. We walk we walk in, there's almost nobody in there. <laughs> so I watch this movie. I watch this movie. And I got to tell you, I don't think The Swarm is a bad movie. I think I think it's too long. I think Michael Caine overacts in this one. And he's too always good. Even the bad stuff. It has too many characters. Too many characters. But it got, but and and the, the, the giant bee hallucination of Catherine Ross is ridiculous. Bad. Having said that, it does have some good moments. The, the little kid in the garbage can with the bees, really good. No, yeah, I'll give it no, to you. It's really good. I just the, can't the, get the, my mind off of Slim Pickens carrying a body bag, crying. Okay. I mean, I mean, there's some bad yeah. stuff in the, this movie. The the, the the bees attacking the the the, the midwestern town. I thought it was exciting, and I thought the end with Richard Widmark with the blowtorch when he, when the bees sting him and and they got to get out of the burning building. Now, how Michael Caine and Catherine Ross did not bit one time. When there's like ten thousand bees in the hallway, I don't know, but it's not an awful movie. It just here's the thing: it, it it's not not that I'm saying I'm not defending it as a good movie, but it's not like awful. It's a very watchable. Even listen, even Beyond the Bassanger is very watchable. Many years later, the problem with that movie is that it bombed, and when a movie bombs, it gets vilified is even worse than it actually is, and that's where I would put this one. I will tell you that it's better than when time ran out. That's about the best thing. A thousand times better. Now that movie is just bad. There was also a John Saxon movie that came out that very same year called the bees. That was just utter trash too. How about cockroaches? What do you think of cockroaches? I know there's one movie that comes to mind. It's it's creep show. Yeah. It's the best segment of that movie too. Eli Wallach. uh, That, that is, that is a, that is an awesome piece of film. Uh, because e. it's Marshall. creepy. E.G. Marshall. You, Not I'm Eli Wallach, E.G. E. Marshall. I apologize. E.G. Marshall. I'm going to tell you a story. I did a revival of this film, Creep Show, about seven years ago at the Pocono Cinema East Strasburg, right? So I advertised on Facebook. This guy sends me a private message, and he goes, I live in the Poconos. I was a road strangler on Creep Show. Can I come down and talk about it? And I said, sure. So he comes down. And it was really interesting. Every one of those roaches were shipped in from a foreign country. And there was a rule that you could not kill one of them. They had to be kept alive. So they were, they were a a unique type of a roach that he, he was in the credits listed as the wrangler roach wrangler, meaning he's in charge of all those roaches, which I found very, very interesting. (laughs) And, um, I just thought he was an interesting person and my luck that I find a roach wrangler and he did a, he, he helped me introduce the film. I, I thought it was really interesting, but th- those roaches were creepy. And that's that, that segment. Cause the guy was a germaphobe, the character. Uh, I thought it was very, very effective story. Yeah, that's that's the that best segment. one in, in, in the movie. Yeah, it is. I yep. completely agree. In 1997, we got giant cockroaches mutated genetically engineered cockroaches in a film i don't think you like i do guillermo del toro's mimic 
from 97, I think is a real creepy movie, real dark. Yeah, maybe, but I don't know. I, I just, mm, there's something about his style I don't like. I'm yeah. in the minority, maybe. How about, you know, they've never made, and I am deathly afraid of bats, Chuck, but they've mm-hmm. never really made a great bat movie. 1979's Nightwing about vampire bats. Yeah, it's not that good. Not good. And neither is Bats, which stars Luke Diamond Phillips, that came out in 1999. I guess a good good sequence with Bats would be, remember Cliffhanger in the Cave? Yeah, that's a good sequence with Bats. I'm going to tell you a real quick story because I like telling stories. A couple years ago, I'm in my ice cream parlor. Last employee leaves. I'm sitting at the back table. And I put on, I sometimes I put soundtracks to movies because it, it, it relaxes my mind. So I put on the soundtrack to Joker, right? And I'm listening, sitting at the back table, all lights are off. I see this thing fly from the back of the store to the front a couple of times. And I said to myself, how in the world did a, a damn bird get in the store? Huh. And then a few more times when it dived at my head, I realized that it was a bat. Yeah. And I got to tell you, it was creepy beyond creepy, Mike. I've like, had to, uh, put, yeah. I've had to kill a bat in the house in uh, yeah. in East Strasburg. It's not fun. It is not. Uh, it is scary as hell. And there's only one thing I hate worse than bats, Chuck. Yeah, and, and that's rats. I am oh, one of those guys at the. I will well, jump well, on the we, table. Well, we have the movie for you, right? Yes, we do. There's a few of them. Where do you want and, to start? Oh, it's for me. It's a movie that I saw in a theater probably three times. I saw it at the Mayfair in Brooklyn. It was Food of the Gods. Mm. Marjo Gortner. I thought it was really good. I mean, it's a B movie, but it's a very effective B movie based on a story by H.G. Wells. I thought he was fantastic in this movie, at least when I saw it. I watched this movie last uh, Halloween season in October. And I got to tell you, it's just as much fun as when I saw it in a theater. They used, they magnified rats to make them look big. Having said that, and the director, I know they got fines because they actually killed a slew of rats, drowning them uh, at the end of the film. They were oh drowning rats. Uh, but this movie is very effective as a B thriller. He's good as the action hero lead. It's a good story. It's very interesting. And uh, an, a, a, a famed actress who was very popular back in the day, her name was Ida Lupino, mm-hmm. uh, was in this movie. And they had giant worms in it. But the rats were the main focus in the attraction. And I had a blast watching this movie in the theater. Uh, I can't watch that. I can't watch Willard or Ben. Can't watch those oh, movies. I remember my parents, when I was a little boy, taking me to see Willard. That was a big hit. And uh, while Ben is not uh, what you would call a uh, high production uh, number, uh, it had that Michael J- Jackson song, uh, Ben. And um, I thought the relationship between the rat and the kid was pretty good. Did you see and the... Uh... I enjoyed it. Did you see the Crispin Glover remake of Willard back in 2003? Yeah, yeah, it has merit to it. Um, did you see Dead because he, he is he is one of the most interesting personalities ever put on on, on celluloid. Oh, he, so yeah, he's a whack job. There's no doubt yeah. about it. Um, how about Deadly Eyes from 1982? I don't remember that. Don't remember I, it I do remember maybe the one of the worst Stephen King adaptations about a giant rat, and that's Graveyard Shift. Chuck, this movie's bad. Okay, I remember. Okay, I remember seeing that by myself on a Friday afternoon because it was Stephen King on, on the title, and I walked out and I said, "This is absolutely the worst Stephen King piece of garbage I've ever seen." It was just god. I mean, I wanted my money back. Is that that's how? Is they didn't even try? They, first of all, there's no story to tell. The acting is horrible. The direction is horrible. Um, it is bad. Yeah. It's a bad movie and it's hard to watch. How about how about canines, Chuck? Dogs, wolves, 
Uh, let's do dogs first. First dog. Well, I mean, I mean Cujo, the first thing you know, Cujo pops to mind, obviously. Cujo um, is a is a it's a good movie. It's not a great yeah, you're movie. Talking about, you're talking about when they attack, right? Well, yeah. I mean, the the we're not talking, yeah. we're not yeah, talking not, about not lovey dovey ones. Yeah, we're we not want, talking about Turner or Cujo. No, 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 no Marley and me. No. Um, yeah, like, what would it be? There's a 77 movie I remember called The Pack that came out um, yeah. about feral dogs. Uh, I, hey, want- I got to be honest with you. I really cringe watching dogs attack people. I just I, don't like it. Um, let's talk about wolves, though, because there's a good movie called The Gray that you and I both like. Excellent movie. Liam Neeson. One of his best, actually. Absolutely one of his best and uh, well-directed. Good cast. Um, Very good. Payoff is a little iffy, but that's neither here nor there. Um, but it is a, a scary, creepy movie about killer dogs. Well, I guess they're dogs. How about felines or cats, Chuck? I don't I mean, we're going to get the Lions movie here with the Beast. And I, I, I the, what was that? The Ghost in the Darkness? Yeah, uh, that movie. I'm not a fan of that line movie. It'd be nice to have a movie about killer lions that actually had lions in it, Chuck. They, yeah, they, this they, tough. It, it's tough. Kill, uh, kill, killer cats. Hmm. I mean, the only other thing—the only other thing I think of is cat's eye. I mean, is that a stretch? Yeah, that's an anthology. And 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 it's he a walks little bit through. Of a stretch. Yeah, I got to tell you that the 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 the, uh, the um, Alan King smoking segment in that is excellent. Yeah. I also would say the Bengal Tiger in Life of Pi. I mean, that, uh, that's a real good movie. Yeah, he, he attacks of It's a bit of a reach. Yeah, How about nineteen. Let's turn to pigs, Chuck. Um, there was an 84 movie that I saw that's really creepy. It was directed by Russell Mulcahy. Remember Razorback about the Australian? Um, I um, what's his name's in it? Gregory Harrison from Trapper well, what John. About the sequen- what about the sequence in Hannibal? When? Uh, oh, yeah, that's a good one. Pigs. Right? Yeah. yeah. I guess there's a 2008 movie called Pig Hunt, but I don't know that one. Yeah. Well, I know you I know you want to talk about a movie about monkeys because there is a monkey attacks movie um, and it's a creepy one, too. How about Monkey Shines from '88? Yeah, I, I, I listen. I I like uh, that's that actor Jason. Um, he's on he's on Chicago PD now. Bag, right? What is it? Bag Bag? Is that how yeah. he says his name? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I liked him in that movie. I remember seeing that again. It's another movie I saw by myself on a Friday afternoon opening day. Um, a lot of that movie I liked. Of note, directed by one of our favorites, George A. Romero. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. that's one of the things that's really appealing to it. Yeah. Um. And he's a paraplegic in it too, right? That's yes. part yep. of the creepiness of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, now, Chuck, we we've talked a lot about these animals and stuff. And there's there's another category I want to get into. We we talked a little bit about, uh, in, in when we talked about the uh, underwater movies. But how about like um, uh, alligators, uh, uh, lizards, snakes? Let's talk snakes first. Well, anaconda, I think, is a very effective thriller. Um, I disagree. Not a you fan. Do. Oh yeah. no, no, no! I think that movie is nah. very entertaining. Did you enjoy Snakes on a Plane? Uh to a point. A little bit over the top. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't think it's as good as the trailers that and the buzz that it. came behind it. Yeah, right? it had a lot of buzz. I mean, it has its moments, but you know, it's also has its bad elements too i think it works more for me as an airplane thriller thing like you know we're big yeah. fans of that that uh genre yeah um, i wanted to bring up alligators and crocodiles and I, you know i think we talk about it a little bit in our underwater ones because we're both fans of yeah. the 1980 alligator with sure. Robert forster and we're both fans of lake placid from 99 
think mm-hmm. that's a decent movie. But there is one I saw quite recently that's real good. It's called Crawl, which um, which stars Riley uh, with uh, K- Kaya Scardellario oh, and Barry yeah. Pepper about a flood, a hurricane, a flood, and this cro- or alligator starts attacking this young girl and her dad. Really? Okay. Yeah, it's really good movie. It came out in two thousand and nineteen. What's, What's the, the name movie? of it? It's called Crawl. Okay, I'm gonna watch that one. Yeah, watch that one. Um, you know, and then yet the really the the alligator movie is alligator from yes. 1980 and and what that's become um in, in the lexicon all right let's turn the last but not least here and that's bears chuck um mm-hmm. which will will bring up we'll do your the movie you want to talk about last because it has i mean it's literally called all about the animals but there's a couple of bear, bears movies and first and foremost uh basically a rip off the jaws i remember seeing grizzly in yeah, 1976 it, i mean for what it is um it's not bad it's a, just about a giant bear a grizzly yeah. bear it does mm-hmm. have christopher george in it who's in yeah. the other movie we're going to talk about as well so you might get confused and richard jackal i think it's fun for a jaws rip off he's yeah, 11 feet tall it's yeah. not it's not horrible chuck no um prophecy in 1979 now that's a mutant bear this movie mm-hmm. was a misfire with Robert Foxworth and Talia Shire, uh, but I I kind of enjoyed it. It has some good scares. Armand Asante's in it as well, but ultimately it failed at the box office. John Frankenheimer directed it. Um, do you remember seeing that? I saw that one on HBO with my mom. I I don't I do not remember it much. And then a movie which has an interesting cast. Chuck came out eight years ago. I mean, if you would you see a movie that stars Billy Bob Thornton, Scott Glenn. James Marsden, Piper sure. Pirabo, and Scott and uh, Thomas Jane. Good kiss. You would, right? It's called Into the Grizzly Maze, which came out on video on demand in 2015. Somehow this did not get a theatrical release. Did you see I it? I saw part of it. It's, yeah. it's, it tries awfully hard. Um, James Marsden overacts. I love James Marsden. Um, mm-hmm. It has all the elements of a Jaws 2. It's not good. It's just interesting the fact that all these stars, yet nothing really happens, and it never got a release. Uh, but go check it out. It's not. It's called Into the Grizzly Maze. Okay. Um, that came out about seven years ago. But last is certainly not least. If you're going to talk about when animals attack, why not talk about the movie that actually says it's the Day of the Animals? Chuck Day of the Animals, which a great, unbelievable performance by Leslie Nielsen in this movie. That came out what year? 1977. I don't remember it that well. Really? No, I really don't. Yeah, who it's ba- it? well, yeah. Richard Jackal and Christopher George were both in Grizzly. Oh, okay. I are, don't remember it that well. Linda, if Christopher George is in it, you know Linda Day is going to be Did in it. Did it make a dent at the box office? What's that? Did it make a dent at the box office? It was a, a $1.2 million budget. It made $2.8 million. In- okay, well, that's probably why I don't remember it. Yeah, you don't remember Day of the Animals, huh? I vaguely. Uh, I hate to go out on the HUD, but I got to be honest. Well, I, if, if only to see it for Leslie Nielsen in this film. It, it's over the top and it's funny as heck, but it is a scary movie. Chuck, what animal am I missing here? Hmm. The lions, the tigers, the bears. Oh, oh my. my. Um, um, yeah. I think you covered frogs, just about there, There's a frogs movie, right? There's a frogs with title frogs. Uh, Ray, Lam- uh, Ray Ray Meland is in that, right? Ray. The Pot Killer Frogs? Yeah. 
How about Worms? Oh, Squirm in 76. Yeah, That's a good horror movie. Squirm, Squirm was a bit. Squirm was actually a, very, a, a good trailer. The movie, not as much, although it is creepy in certain instances. And they also, in your Food of the Gods, they use uh, centipedes, giant centipedes, which yeah. are really creepy. Yeah. Cool. Um, and then uh, Blood Beach. That's kind of a giant worm in the in the sand mm-hmm. do you, do you, i remember that burt young's in that that's i remember the great yeah, tag i remember line. that one you know it's interesting all this all the stuff we're talking about going over you know it, it sort of harkens back when filmmaking was a very different breed or animal uh pardon the pun uh compared to what they do now i mean most of the stuff would not even be talked about in a uh no. in a pitch room well there most of them now are the are most of them now just live on sci-fi network, right? They come up with these stupid yeah. things that combine. Mm-hmm. And, um, but the yeah. great thing about blood beach, I just remember the tagline was just when you thought it was safe to go back in the water, you can't get to it. I mean, that, that that's just unbelievable promotion. It's pretty, pretty good tagline. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Um, well, there's your animals attack, Chuck. And the, you know, the beast. I like looks that. At, did you, are you uh, concerned at all that Idris Elba actually gets in a, uh, it looks like a boxing match with a lion in this film. I saw that clip. Actually, you know, we booked it here at the theater and I watched, I, I did watch about 10, 10 minutes of it. And it, it's pretty intense from what I see. It's pretty, the lion is super aggressive in this movie. Let's also add an uh, end on this note too. You know, Idris Elba has been talked about for, to be James Bond, but the latest rumors coming yeah. out of the broccoli family. Now, Chuck is they're going to go young bond. Well, I hear these rumors about Tom Holland. I guess the, I guess evidently he pitched the idea of a young Bond to them, and he's sort of like, ah, and I, maybe they rethought the idea. Let's be honest, he is a big name in the industry, and he would attract, I think, a different generational crowd to this uh, material, and they might find it very appealing. Yeah, I don't think it's the worst idea in the like world. I, when I first read it, the, I actually read this yesterday. My first reaction is, this can't be real. And then I, and then I kept reading it, and there's numerous outlets. I don't, they're not the, the majors reporting this. There's a lot of outlets talking about this. And I say to myself, I don't like the idea personally. I, I, I don't like the idea, but I could see why they would think about this idea. Yeah. All right, Chuck. Well, that does uh, for this week's episode. We will uh, wrap up and do it all over again next week, my friend. Thank you, Mike. And to the audience, always a pleasure. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to Movie Maniacs. Download one of our archived episodes. Be sure to subscribe to us wherever you listen to podcasts.
podcast by Federated Media.